Episode 2, Season 2. We had Carlson on last time. That was fun. This is the catch-up episode. Uh, so no guests, just Gary and I. And just trying to figure out what the hell we've been up to. And I'm looking forward to this because every time that we've talked on the phone, we've purposely not talked <laughs> at all about anything that has to do or could be put into a podcast. So there's, I feel like, I've known so much about you six months ago, and now I know nothing. <laughs> we we haven't talked a lot in depth about anything. No, not at we, all. I mean, we've talked a bunch of times. It's just right. every time we've had to stop ourselves. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, so what what have you been up to for six months? Oh my god, it's been busy. It's uh, and it the one thing that we talked about, but then we stopped talking about it, was how. Obviously, we're in two different parts of the country. Obviously, you're in California. I'm in Delaware. So winter, for me, there's nothing to do. Whereas, you know, in the winter months for you, it's always sunny and it's probably like any other day of the year. So for me, it's always so easy to do this in the winter and to find time to do this. But the summer, man, holy crap, dude, I have no time for anything. I feel like like just life in general has been going like this clock that just continually starts spinning faster and faster and faster and especially kind of ramping out of the whole COVID thing and, and trying to get back to a normal life. And, uh, yeah, it definitely seems like it flies. And then for us out here, yeah, we don't, we don't know what seasons are in California. We just kind of have one thing that kind of blends together. Yeah. On top of that, obviously I feel like kind of the country is back to normal. So have you like noticed anything in your shop? Like, have you noticed like a decrease of inquiries or emails or anything like that now that like no. everything's normal again? No, we actually we get more now than we ever have. Um, again, I've been kind of ramping back into doing car audio as a, as a focus, you know, before we were doing displays and prototyping work was taking up probably 75% of our schedule and, and the audio was like 25 and now we're definitely at probably about 80% doing audio and so yeah I'm, I'm actually finding myself having a hard time keeping up getting quotes out and, and mm -hmm. dealing with inquiries and that kind of stuff so yeah we're definitely very busy on that side and busier than ever. I feel I feel like it's dropped off a bit because, I mean, even like during the pandemic, like literally some of the clients I had would say things like, you know, I'm not traveling. You know, I have this massive budget now that I'm used to spending money on X, Y, and right. Z that I can't do. And right. I want to spend my money. Like people have literally said that. Um, so, I mean, with everything back to normal, I don't know. It just feels like I've seen a small decrease in like the YouTube inquiries and stuff like that. I've started TikTok now though. Oh, I, I never thought I would do it, but um, the, the, the reason I kind of like TikTok is because you can easily have a bunch of recordings on your phone 
right? So if I'm doing a bunch of different parts of a project, I can just take little video snapshots and then the app makes it really easy to edit it all together and it can be longer than a minute, right? So like with Instagram, one, you really can't edit inside the app. Two, it can't be longer than a certain amount of time. Whereas on TikTok, I can pretty much make make it how I want it, right? And the cool part about that is I can edit, to, edit together. So, you know, the social media is all used for different little tidbits. And I'm going to start using it to really show kind of the amount of work that goes into something to kind of like build the value to show that it, yeah, I made the part, but this is like kind of what it took to make the part. And the reason I never really did stuff like that, like on YouTube is because it's too freaking time consuming to like get out oh, a, yeah. like a physical camera, shoot it, edit it. Whereas on TikTok, I can just kind of take snippets, talk real quick and then kind of like describe it and put different parts and sequence together to make like five different videos. So I just did like my first five, I guess, TikToks and uh, I'm building, well, I, I built door panels for the Vanderhall Carmel that I just did. And I kind of did like from the design process, like me kind of sketching something on the factory door panel, then showing it in CAD of like what I came up with then like printing out some parts to lay it on the door panel, then making the door panel to like PVC and ABS, and then doing the inserts, staining the wood, wrapping it, and then showing the completed product. So it's pretty cool. I guess we'll see how, I guess, TikTok forms, but I think it's a, a good tool to show the value of the amount of work you put into something. Yeah, I'm, I'm always just blown away by how much time some people you being one of them spend on documenting what you're doing like i always yeah, people, hey, can i get some pictures of this can i get some pictures of that and i fly so fast trying to keep up with things that i'm terrible at documenting what we do and so that's why i you'll see i mean you know i, I post on instagram i'll post like a whole bunch for a short period of time because i feel like i'm a little bit caught up and other yeah. times I'll go months without posting anything. Yeah, so I've gotten into that. And I think just to kind of like backtrack a bit, since it is season two now, we never talked about some of the stuff that we've received, some of the bottles that we've received, uh, yes. right? <laughs> so Todd Ramsey, great friend of great friend of the pod, great friend of us, Todd Ramsey Consulting Group. I think that's his official, his official yep. uh, job title there. He sent us, and he came in. He came in huge, huge, <laughs> huge. So he sent us each a twelve-year-old whistle pig rye, which you know, if if you're a, if you're a fan, you're gonna know what that is, and it's great stuff. And then he sent us uh, each a bottle of Sazerac rye, which is again top shelf stuff. And then I had him send me individually a bottle of Das Ombres Mezcal because for whatever reason you can't buy it locally and you know I'm a I'm a big Breaking Bad fan and uh, Das Ombres is a Mezcal that was made by Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul so always wanted to try it but uh had it it was delicious but it sucks because I can't I can't <laughs> buy it here in Delaware for whatever reason I have no supply yeah Delaware is one of those states where you can't like ship uh you can't do any of those services that ship alcohol. Hmm. Yeah, so kind of lame. So that was from Todd. And then 
Do you want to talk about the other bottle that we got? Which one? The Waitsburg whiskey from Corey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see. And here's the hard part. I just line mine all up sitting on a <laughs> shelf and I've been trying not to touch them. I know you've been sampling every single one that comes in. Of course. Uh, so, yeah, we got that from Corey. And uh, it's funny about that. Like, I had no idea who it came from. It had like no name on it. So did you start calling around? It just said, yeah, it just said car toys. So I called everyone that I knew that worked at car toys and everyone's like, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> And that's my bad because he had actually messaged and I had answered him through, uh, I think probably the Instagram page and I forgot to, I forgot to prep you for that. So yeah, but it was Sorry. a nice surprise but, of like, yeah. Oh, dope. It's always fun. Thank you. Thank so you. if you send us a bottle, we'll mention you and give you props, <laughs> even if the whiskey sucks. Yep. Uh, Justin Cush. <coughs> did, did, did I say that out loud? Oh, you gonna cut that out? No, we'll keep it in. <laughs> okay. He wanted us to be brutally honest, so we are. Yeah. Now, I I wouldn't know because I didn't open mine yet. So we, I think that I think the I think the giveaway for him though is it was a Texas like branded whiskey that was made in Canada. Is that right? <laughs> that should have been a dead giveaway. Hold but on, it, let me see. But but it came in a cool bag. <laughs> it did come in a really cool bag. It was Texas Crown Club Ultra Premium. But it's like made in Canada or Canadian something? Canadian whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's fun. It's cool, though. I like, I mean, yeah. I like the story. I like the bottle, yeah. Yeah. So what else? Any other ones I've forgotten about? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I know you have another huge surprise that I still don't understand that we'll talk about as soon as you figure out whatever that is. Huge surprise. The certificate and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll just. I'll yeah. wait till you get the whole story on that, but. Yeah, I'll have to figure that out. Oh yeah, yeah. you've never seen the actual bottle that we got. Let's oh. See. It's uh, you see, it says the old-fashioned uh, car audio pod. Oh, that's awesome. So I keep this right next to my computer, Maker's Mark, <laughs> bottle that says the old-fashioned car audio pod. Super cool. Yep. Crafted specially for. Keep that right there. Uh, what else? What else you been up to? So I've seen you post stuff, and I've been anxious to ask. Okay. I've seen what? an Audi. I just saw an Audi that you did. Oh, the R8. I'd see. I've already forgotten all these things. I uh, I never post when stuff is in the shop. I always wait until it's gone, and then I just kind of like randomly, you know, oh, mm -hmm. hey, let's post something. So yeah, that Audi R8. Uh, came in and he wanted to add bass and it had just the, the super basic system and uh, by the time I got in there luckily he kind of gave me a little bit of leeway to just do my thing as long as I made sure it looked like it belonged and looked good and mm -hmm. um, we just did a rear fire box on the shelf with two eights firing back that was ported and uh, for an amplifier I went with the audio control uh, small mono amp just because it has the AccuBase and not knowing how bad the bass roll-off was going to be in the car without tearing it apart and measuring and all that. Um, I figured it was kind of a safe bet and gave me a, a good amount of power for a good you know, a good price. Those amps are pretty solid. If, and, if Chris Bennett's listening right now, he just got a, he's just, he just got a chub, 100%. Yeah. Oh, Chris is good people, good people. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we put the, the audio control 
I'm terrible with part numbers. The whatever the 800 watt monoblock um, L LC 800.1 something like that. Who knows? And um, so we set that up, and I, I got it uh, up and running. We kind of had to the car had to leave to go somewhere else to get paint protection film or something done. And um, by the time I got it fired up, the base had so much output, like so much more than I expected, that it like just overshadowed the front in a terrible way. So then we started looking for what we could do to, you know, we'd, we'd blown the budget to put the woofer in. And so mm -hmm. what else can we do? So we added a small DSP amp on the factory mid bases and I put a set of tweeters in the dash, a upgraded set of home audio tweeters and uh, just tuned it. And then the AccuBase wasn't nearly as important now that I had DSP, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's a really nice little system. And that, you know, that cockpit is so small that it, pressurizes really well and sounded good and now you can hear it over the engine so pretty sweet car with nice wheels on it and he just did some more stuff a carbon fiber you know the big engine brace in the back of the r8 he got that all done out of carbon fiber and stuff it's a really cool car and then we did we did the woofer box and another car of his um i did a really cool one i haven't I, I haven't shown you pictures or shown anybody yet but at some point i'll post them but it was a new expedition and wanted significantly more bass than his last expedition that just had a little 10 in the rear side and we did four arc audio eights ported but since there's like a little bit of a dip in the floor in the back mm -hmm. for storage mm -hmm. compartments we only had to raise the floor about five inches to get four eights to fire back and like welded up a whole steel cage to support the floor and hold the grill in place. And it stuff. sounds so Gary. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's so overdone, so so overcomplicated. But when you look in, you just see the floor is lifted like five inches. But this thing just gets down, gets down big. That's cool. So yeah, so two cars for the same customer in a short period of time. Nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we got a bunch of them stacked up. I'm gonna have to like totally jog through my memory and start pulling through we did another lambo the utopia m10 and the passenger footwell how'd that some, turn out good good really good Dude, i, I love that sub i love that sub so much yeah it's so, you know, it's, so nasty <laughs> it's really tough because you you know i'm cheap right mm -hmm. like I'm just a cheap, I'm so mm. value cheap, whatever. Like my go-to woofer would never be a, you know, whatever that thing is, seventeen, eighteen hundred $1,800 retail subwoofer is not going to be my go-to. But in this scenario, in a scenario where you don't have a lot of room, mm -hmm. you need something that can hold power, mm -hmm. uh, hold a good amount of power, get loud, and is really shallow, that, mm -hmm. that's the choice. Like there yeah. is nothing that does what that woofer does. It performs at so any well. Price. Right. Yeah. And it only yeah. needs like 0. 0.4 cubes. Yeah. I want to say we were probably like 0. 0.35 on the 10. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it it just works. It's one of those things where when you model it and you put any other woofer in the place mm -hmm. and like even, you know, you know me, I love a, a Illusion Carbon C10. Mm -hmm. uh, I find, you know, nothing wrong with the JL shallow woofers. Um you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good choices in shallow woofers, but well, the C10, so the C10, that's the flat one, not the XL. Right. That one, that is like one of the only subwoofers that I've ever used that you just cannot cheat airspace because right. it calls for like 0.8, right? 
Right. And it, it does a little better if it's like more towards one, but because of how it's designed, right? You have the magnet in the front. And mm -hmm. if you just do not, like if it's too little airspace, that the, the driver's going to rub up against like the, the pole and you're going right. to hear it. Yeah, it's it's one of those woofers that I try to, when we use that woofer, we use it in downfire applications where it's loading and you won't hear that mm -hmm. that noise. There's there's a lot of woofers like that that have this that slight little air leak to it mm -hmm. when the Neo motor is hung in front of the cone. The ARC mm -hmm. SW series is like that. Um, the Illusion woofers are like that. There's a, there's a couple other guys that have done it that way. And, it, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where if you're, loading the woofer into a downfire, you don't hear it at all. It's not a big right. deal at all. Um, if you're sitting near field to it, eh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, not the... I, so I remember I did a I did a Dodge Viper way back in the day where we took out that, you know, the little Alpine enclosure and made a box for the 10. And I the box that... looked, the box I was looked. Say, I think that's on Illusion's website, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It looked really, the box was amazing looking. And I remember when I first built it, you could hear that noise and I'm just like, fuck. So I had to like take everything back apart. And then I basically had to like fiberglass mold two pockets that would like go up and beyond the panel to the sides to create extra room to right. alleviate that pressure inside the enclosure. Yep. And then it sounded okay. So yeah, definitely the, C10, C12, if you have the airspace, works good. But that uh, Utopia M, if you're if you're choked off on airspace, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that thing is better. amazing. Yep. Yeah. So we good. have a, a fun one coming up that we're just kind of in the mock-up stage. I think we talked about this one off air, but um, that's getting four Utopia M10s with a Pro 110 on each woofer. And I'm super excited for that one. It's going to. What's that going to be in? It's this uh, very custom truck. Very, very custom Very custom. Truck. It's funny talking to Gary because half the times you talk to Gary, like he does so much shit that he just can't talk about. <laughs> Whether it's like for a special, a special manufacturer or for something top secret or prototype. So there's so many times <laughs> he'll just be like, you know, I can't, I, you know, I'm building it, but I just, I can't say anything more about it. Yeah, this this truck is not one of those things, but I don't want to say too much because it's somebody else's build that they're putting a ton of time into. Right, we're going to be responsible for the audio side of it, but this truck is going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of hours into fabrication on it, and I don't want to let anything out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's it's for the owner to to put out to the world when he's ready and when the truck is done. So it's just fun. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. there's never anything. Uh, top secret with me i've never i've never, <laughs> never had, had to a sign an nda I've, <laughs> I've never had a secret oh god uh, maybe one day i'll be that important oh gosh it's a it's a responsibility sometimes <laughs> i wish there was like a you know when you sign those ndas sometimes like it'd be nice if there was a statute of limitations so that like i could be like all right matt in five years we're going to talk about this thing that i did oh <laughs> uh. Yeah, so I mean, I think where I last left off was I was building that Stingray. Yeah, you're just finishing up the vet last time. That thing, that thing turned out really well, man. I mean, it's a car I could never physically drive, right? Because I remember driving it to. So I don't even know if I talked about this last time, but I drove it 
to the beach, okay, to do the video and the photo shoot. And I always drive my cars to, you know, wherever I take the pictures and take the pictures in the video. And it's also a way for me to do like a little road test, make sure nothing cuts out, stuff like that. And upon parking it on the beach, I had the top off, uh, you know, it had, I believe, yeah, it, it was like a T-top that, and I had the tops off. They weren't with me in the car and I'm parked and I'm ready to take pictures and all of the sudden, and I've, I've lived here for like four years and I've never seen some shit like this, but there was like this fucking wind sand tornado that just like ripped through the beach parking oh, lot gosh. and sand literally went everywhere. Every nook, every cranny, like every insert in the car, every spot where there was a crack, there was just grains of sand everywhere. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I just drove it directly back. And then it was like on a Friday and I just like look at it and I'm like, uh, whatever, go home Monday morning. Had to like vacuum out, air hose out the whole thing, brought it back. But, you know, for me, that 79, there's no way that I could. I like that was just built for a different type of human. I feel like we've evolved as humans because like nobody taller than me and I'm six foot <laughs> is really driving that car comfortably. I, I just don't get it. Would you ever have an old car? For sure. And when I say old, I'm saying sixties. Okay. We'll say 75 or older. Would you ever have a 75 or older car? Is there anything that piques your interest? So those cars don't like, they don't speak to me. They don't move me, but a hundred percent, if there was an old car that was more of like a resto mod is more of my style, yep. right? So if it had like a modern and en- like the a fucking carbureted engine does nothing for me. <laughs> but if it had a modern engine in it and I could build an interior in it and kind of like make it how I would use the car, then absolutely. I would love it. So, and my wife and I have talked about this as far as older cars. We like one of our bucket list things is we want to go to the Amalfi coast on a vacation, rent an old car and just drive it down the coast. I don't know. That's really my only infatuation at the moment with old cars. Yeah. I see. I could see you guys with like a old, like international scout or like an old Bronco with the roof off, like, you know, yeah, modern, but, but old school and kind of fun. But. Yeah. But, but I will say like, uh, so that vet was a local vet and when I did the demo and the unveiling to the client, obviously there was another local company that did the LS3 engine swap. And like when I went to their shop, they have a lot of older vehicles, like a lot of Land Rover defenders and stuff like that, that they've restored and they're like really badass. Um, and obviously this whole job started for me to go there and trying to fit the interior that they put in and make it fit better. So once they saw the work that we did, um, they're basically like, how the fuck have we been here and not known that like <laughs> you exist right down the street? Right. Cause he kept telling like the client, he's like, man, this Delaware, you know, this is Lewis Delaware. <laughs> We're all right here. You know what I mean? And then he yep. was like, we need to collab on some future projects and stuff like that. So I mean, the car came out really killer. It looked and felt 
very OEM. You know, we have the YouTube video up now on YouTube. There's pictures of it on my website, musicdesign.com. So if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. But I'll say it's one of really the only older cars that I've done kind of like an interior rebuild in. And uh, I was very happy with how it turned out. Cool. And the customer, is he out using it or? Yeah, it's summertime. So he's probably rocking that thing up and down the street. Sweet. Yeah. And then after that, we've just done a bunch of random projects. We did a few, you know, high-end radar laser integrations, which I know you did one because you texted me. Yeah. Right. You did one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it all blends together yeah. now. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did one in a Porsche uh, Taycan, which oh cool, super nice car, dude. I've driven yeah. a lot of Teslas and a lot of P100Ds and really got on them, and the Porsche is like super impressive. Right. It feels like that the biggest difference I can say between the two cars is the Porsche. One, it's it's designed like a Porsche, right? And the interior is the fit and finish is like you would expect any other Porsche to be. And the other cool part is the interior is designed like a 12 volt car. Whereas like your fuse boxes are normal fuse boxes and you wouldn't know that it's that that it's an electric car. Whereas when you work on a Tesla, it feels like an electric car. Right. The Porsche still feels like a Porsche, right? So like taking it apart and all that kind of, just the fit and finish is great. The electronics are dope. And when you're driving it down the street, it feels like it'll just accelerate for eternity. Like it just doesn't feel like it'll ever stop. And it, the other cool part about it, it has two charge ports. So it has one on each side. Oh, interesting. Which is convenient. Um, yeah, it's a, I guess a smart depending move. on whatever situation you're in. And if one charge port door like doesn't open you always have a backup so that was a cool project and then we did a bmw m8 which was another like radar laser integration project that thing turned out really dope um and then we've just got like this influx of vanderhals and it's funny because like things always come in duos or bunches and you know we had we did one that was a venice which basically is the one without the doors. It's all like one solid structure. And we made like an acrylic back window that lights up with a third brake light, did an audio system, a bunch of lighting. And then... Is that, that local customer? or Yeah, local, it? local. And then we did two down-firing eights in like the storage compartment in the back, which isn't really big. It's pretty small. But we did like a cool fascia that makes it look like it's a factory part of the the car or automobile or bike, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> what what woofers did you use? So Brian sold the job and I think he was trying to get rid of some of the he used like these thin kicker eights. Oh. Yeah. I'd never used them before, but we used square, two square ones or round no, ones? Round. Okay. Yeah. Really slim eight yep. eight inch subs that we did down firing. Um, and then the, we're doing a Carmel right now, which is, I think the bigger one, the high end Vanderhall, and it has the doors. And we did a 10 TW one JL sub, which is basically side firing. So it like loads in this enclosure box and then it vents out where the, the open storage would be we did a nice little beauty panel that box was so hard to build because we did it out of uh baltic birch and it had to be like notch cut all over the place like there was like 
it's the dumbest looking box you'd ever see in your life. Um, but that's all done, and we again so made two, it look all pretty. Two different customers, or one customer owns two, both cars. Two different customers. Do yeah. the customers know each other? No. Was there was there any no. link? Nope. Just completely random. Completely random, one after another, like literally wow. one after another, which is wow. convenient because. Aaron, one of the guys that works with me, he did the lighting on both. I did the audio on both. So, I mean, you kind of know what you're getting into after the second one. The first one, I had no idea. But the weird thing about how these fucking things are made is they're all aluminum. And they're all basically TIG welded together. So, like, from the frame to the dash to, like, every part of this thing is literally just welded together. So... When you're adding new things or trying to put bigger stuff in, it can be a f- like an utter pain in the ass because you're just you know cutting through aluminum and trying to make stuff work and you know it's it's kind of weird how they put it together because if that thing ever got in, <laughs> yeah, it was not built to come apart, right? But the one that we're doing now, kind of like I said in the beginning of the uh, beginning of this pod, is the door panels that we built. And one of the big reasons this guy wanted to get work done is he wanted to kind of convert a lot of the panels from like this beige vinyl to like a dark walnut. Cause I guess some, some people make certain panels that are like making the interior wood. And when they do it, it's just kind of like they're taking the entire panel and making it wood and it's still flat. There's no dimension. There's no depth. There's no design. So it just kind of looks stupid. So when he saw what we did for the subwoofer, we started with the sub and again, JL 10 TW one subwoofer. We did a helix, uh, P six DSP amp with the director to control it up front. And then we're basically running a focal Kevlar set of speakers active in the front. And then of course we're powering the sub off of a, JL MX501 marine amplifier which is all hidden underneath that storage compartment to the left of the subwoofer so you don't see any of that stuff um so decent front stage the sub fucking sounds amazing because it loads in that enclosure so it keeps all the bass there in the listening area and uh when he saw what we did with the walnut in the back for the subwoofer enclosure, how we put Vanderhall in it, just made it look all nice. He was like, yeah, let's do door panels. Like we sold him door panels off of that because it's always fun when we get local people in, they just think they're going to like an audio shop, right? Like their basic audio shop. So like what he's expecting in the back for a subwoofer is not what we did, right? No, so, no yeah. salt and pepper stretch carpet. Right, yeah. So when he saw what we did, he's just like, well, Jesus Christ, you know, let's do some door panels. And I'm I'm trying to describe to him how I would do door panels. I'm like, listen, I wouldn't just do, like, all this out of veneer. I, like, I would design something to have a bunch of different design elements from this Vanderhall into the door panel to make it look like it's a real, legit door panel versus just a big empty panel so he's like yeah do whatever you want to do whatever it costs just you know let's just do it so we built two door panels took like you know three days in total with design time um 
and wrapped that up today. Started it Friday, so Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Both door panels are fully done, designed, and now I have it drawn, and I could make them again in the future if I ever wanted to. Um, but yeah, those are done, gone, wrapped, and then now I just got to focus on the dash, veneering the dash, incorporating the director, and then one of the things he originally wanted to do was he wanted to put in a Sony doubled in radio, but in the Carmel, the dash is slimmer than the Venice. So you can't fit a doubled in in there without dramatic modification. So he, one of the biggest reasons he wanted it was for a backup camera. Cause he says it's a problem to see when he's backing up. So my best solution, and we'll see how this comes out. Um, this is before I've even started anything. But what I'm going to end up doing is taking a monitor and there's an aluminum like footwell on the passenger side. So basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove the aluminum. I'm going to embed a monitor behind a piece of acrylic on the footwell, rebolt it in, and then I'm going to laser out a design on the footwell to make it look like a footwell, like it's you know, like it's grippy and it's where you would put your feet, but where the monitor is, is going to basically be clear. So when the monitor is on, it just shines through the footwell and it's never going to get washed out in the sun because it's all the way down at the footwell. So that's the only solution I could come up for the guy because he was trying to incorporate some sort of a backup idea or solution within this and does vehicle. it have any sort of radio now? No. So it's basically just a kick, like an aftermarket kicker. So it's a kicker amp and it has a small kicker knob. Oh, okay. So it's an aftermarket piece. Right. So we have now the director, which is going to be his main control. And it's cool because you can upload like certain images in the director. So at the top of the director, it says Vanderhall on it nice. when he's using it. So it looks like it's an OEM thing from Vanderhall. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that monitor turns out. I have no idea. I just know it's an idea of how we can <laughs> include it and we'll see how no. well we can see that through. No chance of hanging a floaty screen or anything like no, that? No, no. Because even, so like behind the dash, there is and, and when you look at this thing, I'll send you a picture tomorrow of what it looks like, but it's basically like a, what do you call it? It's basically like a, it has the guts of some GM car, like all zip tied behind the dash. Huh. Right. So like, that's how they make the, make it. So it's a, it's some sort of GM that they've taken apart the BCM and all the harnesses are like zip tied there right behind the dashboard. It's a mutt, basically. Yeah. It's cool, though. So, yeah. They're interesting cars. They're definitely, well, vehicles. Yeah. I don't even know if I call it a car, but. Yeah. They're, they're, they're definitely, I think, they're more, they're more stylish than a slingshot. A slingshot yeah. is more showy, but the, the Vanderhall is more, like, reserved and classy. Yeah. Yep. So, if you don't know what a Vanderhall is, picture a slingshot that's like european yeah a slingshot with class yes so anything else in between all of that i don't know i'd have to look at my facebook 
What about I think you? We snuck we snuck one other kind of fun one in in there. We did a newer Forerunner, and we did uh, Audio Frog GB60 in the door, GB15 uh, in the dash, and then built a really cool uh, box in the rear side. That's the one I I think I sent you pictures where we did the grill that kind of looks like the TRD Pro wheel, and uh, got really intricate on the grill for it. And, you know, just Moscone 1 Series amps. It's kind of an interesting one. Um, I was going to ask you about this. So I got the, the car all done, demo it for the customer. He's really happy with the sound. We go through, give him the, the full rundown on everything. And a couple days later, he calls me and he's like, I love everything, but I feel like there's just not enough bass on certain songs. And I'm like, okay, so this is like a legitimate, like, is it did we not put enough woofer in the car does it not load well enough do we not have enough power i'm like thinking through all this and i'm like we we did everything right right like we have a we have a, a sealed box that's going to play all the way down it's got a gb 12 inch in there we did a lot of work to get it in about 1.55 1.6 cubic feet uh, into the rear side, like all the way up inside. So it's got enough air in it. The box is stuffed. It's in the corner. It's loading really well. And we have a thousand Watts available for it. Right. So anything we ask it to do, it's going to do. And so I ask him, I'm like, can you give me some songs that you're listening to where you're not hearing the bass? And I go, I have a set of studio monitors set up at the shop in my tuning bay. And so I take his track list and I just start listening to it. And then I go to tracks that I know really well. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, those tracks just have no bass. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, it's some like 80s type stuff where just like you would think there was bass, but there's not. And I'm like, so I call him back and I'm like, I'm going to suggest something that I would never usually suggest. I don't know that I've ever suggested it before. And I can see by the grin on your face. I think you know what I suggested. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. We, uh, we, once again, hi, Chris Bennett, um, we added an epicenter and it was really interesting for me to tune the system again and dial in the epicenter in that scenario where it wasn't my customer that wants to beat down the block with eight twelves. Mm -hmm. It was my sound quality customer that just wanted it to have some more bass on recordings that didn't have enough bass for them and and where the level control knob again mm -hmm. we always put a, a sub level control where there wasn't enough there on the sub level control to make it happen mm -hmm. and i was pleasantly surprised like i was like i never would have thought that i would ever suggest this do it and then actually have it work well so it was kind of a fun experience so we say that we didn't have a guest this episode but apparently it's chris bennett yeah honorary guest chris bennett <laughs> He did text me and say he wanted to come on the show. So yeah, we'll, we'll get you on at some point, but it, yep. at least this should uh, give you a little appetizer to your episode. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else we did that I just remembered from remembering that car? Because it was right about the same time that we had that there. Um, I went through Iaska judges training. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, we never really talked about it much. We kind of saved that knowing we didn't want to talk about it too much. But um, not that far from me, and when I say not that far, uh, like an eighth of a mile from me, quarter of a mile from me, is another stereo shop, and mm -hmm. they hosted an IASCA event. 
And the day before the IASCA event, they hosted judges training. And, you know, it had been a long time since I paid attention to any of that kind of stuff in detail. And I thought it was time to take a refresher course. And so I sat through judges training with some, uh, some other people and some hardcore enthusiasts and, you know, some rock stars of car audio, we'll just say. And um, it was really cool. It was cool just to kind of touch base and and remember what they're looking for when they judge cars and to sit and listen to some guys that really have a ton of passion for car audio and then use that to compete and build better systems. And some of the stuff they're doing is really amazing. Like you forget how much when we have to do this on a daily daily basis, it's not necessarily the same amount like we can't spend a hundred hours right yeah that yeah that's always this that's always the big tough thing is like you know at the end of the day the only thing that i try and tell my client is we're gonna get the best version of this equipment audibly for you right you know whereas like i hope that this wouldn't be able to go anywhere else and anyone can make the same equipment sound better Right, because right. every equipment is going to have a point in which, like, it's it's going to be at at its end point. Right, you're you're gonna you're gonna hit the limit on what this stuff can do on the nuances of things that you can hear out of music, and you know it's it's always fun to be able to go the full distance and spend X amount of time on it with the best equipment and just get every like little thing out of it. Oh, yeah. In some of these cars, just the the stages they create are just absolutely amazing. But I'll tell you this, like the cars that do the best and stand out as being way over the top are in classes where you're building gigantic pods (laughs) that hang in places that none of my customers would want them. So it is kind of interesting to balance that and to see it and just kind of touch base with that side Mm -hmm. of the world a little bit and see what they're doing and they're doing some great things i mean it's it's really cool it's really some some depth to sound stages that you're not getting using factory locations or building you know a a recessed set of pillars and and, right you know these guys are putting speakers in not the most obvious places sometimes and and getting some amazing results and that's and that's also one of the biggest challenges that i find when designing systems for clients who are on the higher end of wanting to create something special from a soundstage perspective, right? And we have to understand and differentiate on how much more you would get out of doing something that's going to take away from the aesthetics of the car, you know? Oh, yeah. So we have to, we have to define and articulate really what that is. And the clients generally are, you know, using your best judgment for that right because like sometimes you'll see us use certain drivers off axis right and in those situations one we're using a driver that performs well off axis but also you know when you start taking two drivers in a small pillar and you're trying to absorb a lot of the depth as possible to have them look still aesthetically good and not become some obstruction for viewing on the dashboard, um, those are the things that you have to keep in mind, right? It's too hard to, to take two different drivers and put them on axis 
because it's going to look like a fucking volcano, right? right? No matter how, no matter how you slice it. And that's why one of my favorite speakers are always the C3CX because you're only with, with a pillar, you can always absorb one speaker very well. When you try and absorb two, it becomes very difficult. So, you know, when you see us do different things and that's always big questions people have is like, so why in this car did you do them on axis, this one off axis and this one in factory locations? And it really comes down to obviously the amount of money each client has as a budget, right? and trying to maximize their budget. Because sometimes it makes more sense to go from a Focal Kevlar that has pillars that you're building pillars for to go to a Utopia M in factory locations, right? The end result is going to be better using the Utopia Ms in a factory location versus the Kevlar in an on-axis situation, right? So there's so many different designs and things like that, that, you know, people are always confused, like, well, you did it here and then you went off axis here. Like, what's the reason for that? And, you know, there's always so many different reasons to that because anytime that we're designing systems, people just have to understand listening that a lot of people's, their starting budget, you know, they've extended that budget and push it and push it and pushed it. Right. We generally always end up way further than where we start or whether, you know, the first number that the client gave us. And because of that, like, there comes a point that you just can't keep going, right? You can't just keep right. adding money and right. $2,000 pillars and blah, blah, blah. It's it's just like racing a car, right? Like, the, anybody can just go out and spend, you know, insane gobs of money to get more horsepower. But if just gobs of money or horsepower won races, everybody would be the fastest. Right. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You can't just always throw money at the problems and sometimes you need a better solution. And sometimes you have to make that compromise, but having everything work well together in the end is always the best scenario. And for the budget, like a lot of times those, you know, we, we've had the two-way, three-way conversation a couple of times. We've had those budget system conversations. And sometimes you just look down and it's like, hey, you can get it to, let's say, 75% of perfect. And let's say that that's six grand. And if you want it to go to 85% of perfect, that's 12 grand, right? Like, is, mm -hmm. that, is, is that how you want to approach it? And some customers it matters to and some it doesn't. One of, one of the interesting things that I was really thinking about when I was going through that training and the, the judges training was somebody was spending a lot of time talking about like the arc of a soundstage and how bowed some, some cars are and how the, the vocals will drop on one side or both sides and, and create a big arc in the soundstage. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I've never had a customer that listened to a system that we got done with be like, you know, I really like it, but the, there's a slight bow to the sound <laughs> stage, right? Like, I'm like, this is just not the the average customer. Now they're out there. Trust me, they're out there, right? And I, the guys that compete will definitely, you know, that's one of the things they're listening for. It, it's kind of interesting to hear that and see that and see the crowd that it matters to. And there are people that it matters to. And you're not, you know, addressing those types of issues at that level on $3,500 budget system. Right, right. So is there anything that you heard of or learned that surprised you like a lot that 
you had as like a takeaway and you're like, oh shit, I would have never thought. No, I mean, and again, I've looked through, I've read through that stuff uh, uh-huh. a few times over the years. So it wasn't like anything that was like um, really far out there. The What got to me was, or, or what stood out to me was the number of guys that were really pushing and, and doing competitions and doing them in the upper classes with a lot of modifications and some really, really nice gear. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys that take it really serious and do a lot of time testing. Uh, I will tell you that I was I was not as impressed with the installs as I was with the sound, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, it, it will be cool as people build cars that are, you know, trying to do the whole thing but mm-hmm. back in my day when i was a kid right like it was it was very much a pride thing that you wanted everything to be finished i mean heck we had mm-hmm. carlson on last week who like right. we, we had this conversation about how you know tying in the aesthetics and the sound quality of systems is really what kind of pushes them over the top so um but there's a lot of guys out there building and rebuilding and mm-hmm. chopping and cutting and and trying to find that next thing and that's you know it's fun to see that passion that those people have and for really pushing those envelopes. Yeah. And I have a good segue kind of on everything that we just talked about is one of the projects that I, I was just looking at that I completely forgot about. I did it after the vet was uh, a brand new BMW X four M and you and I have talked extensively about BMWs mm-hmm. and I've always said that, generally based on factory locations they just have too many problems right so this specific one that i did what i used was focal utopia m mid-range and tweeter in the factory locations so mid-range in the door panel that dumb position like aiming down and then the tweeter in the factory sail panel and then the under seat focal just ibm BMW woofer, right? Okay, so it's like the quick. BMW integration. X X four, you said. It, X four M. It's like the smaller What's SUV. What's the difference between an X three and an X four? X four, I think, is more of like a crossover. Oh. Okay. And the X three is like a small X five. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, and and the factory system was it HK? Was it? Yeah, it was HK. In 2020, 2021? or twenty nineteen. 2019 so no i drive seven yet the new body style new body style but old infotainment system basically it's still i I drive six yeah Yeah. fiber yep yeah so we used a helix integration piece for that instead of the nav tv or the mobridge first time using it worked out well very simplistic to use there's just jumpers on the side depending on what you use um so you don't have to like do any firmware updates or anything like that. Just very, very straightforward and easy to use. We did a Helix V12 DSP amp and a Helix P1, and that's the mono, mono amp. And we did a JL13 TW5 under the rear uh, storage compartment. So this fucking car sounded amazing. And In, in the factory locations? In the factory locations. <gasps> and... I guess my thought behind that of why it sounded good in factory locations is that we use the Focal Utopia M. 
which have a unbelievable off-axis response. It's that I with the mixture think, of the Helix. It's my. It was my first time using the Helix V12. Is it your first time using factory BMW speaker locations? <laughs> you know, it might be. <laughs> oh, see, see, see. You hater. You hater. I don't know it. You hated on those locations, and you know, I told you, I like those locations. The car sounded really, really, yeah. really good, and the guy when I did the demo. I think he was utterly shocked. Um, but that's also goes to what I was saying about extending a budget. Yeah. Because when we first started this whole thing, it was like a, a Focal plug and play. Um, we were gonna use like the Match Up 7 BMW amp. You know, like literally everything plug and play. But then he kind of was branching out and was like, well, what if we do this? What if we do this? And then. It, wound it up with Utopia M speakers up front with the Helix V12 DSP amp. Did you do center? Did you do rear? What What else? Anything? Just Did you just focus on front, left, and right? Or Yeah, it was front three-way, and we used the factory, both factory rears. And the, the rear rears were more of just like a super ambient rear, if you will. The sub sounded incredible. There was a nice... I don't know if we took out the spare. Maybe the spare was in there. I forget it was so long ago. I think we took out the spare and we made the sub enclosure like kind of mimic the spare and it still worked with all the styrofoam around it. So the styrofoam kind of hugged the enclosure and there was plenty of gap between, you know, the sub and the floor and plenty of space for the air to move. So And you just left the factory floor right on there and Oh yeah, yeah. It you would have no idea if the floor. It sounded the same with the floor up, with the floor down, right? As long as you have plenty of air to move, and there's no resonance, you're a hundred percent golden. And that's how it always works with underfloor enclosures for the people listening, because everyone's like, doesn't there need to be a vent? Doesn't there need to be this? As long as there's, it's not like right up against the floor and the floor is chattering. As long as air can move in there, you're pretty much good. I got a car in the bay that I have to look at tomorrow to figure out what we're doing for a subwoofer. And that is kind of an option to do it that way. And I've never done it with the stock floor. Mm-hmm. And I'm just worried that it would make it dance and boogie. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, they kind of put stuff on top of it. Yeah. Some of the only other tricks is if it moves a lot. Um, a lot of times you can put like hush tape from hush mat. I think. Yeah. yeah hush tape. You can like, kind of put it on the edges where the floor sits. So it just adds more pressure because really all you're worried about is that like spring mech, like when you're opening it, that there's just enough pressure between the floor. So there's no movement. But another thing that I did on this BMW, like aesthetically, which I hadn't done in the past, I took the, the factory Harman Kardon aluminum logos on the tweeter. And I basically just sanded them down to nothing you know, f- completely flat, polished them. And then I put them on the laser and I put the Focal logos on them with CMR. Oh, wow. Cool. And it, they looked fucking tits. Oh, that's cool. They looked amazing. Very cool. Didn't even take that long to do. And it looked like a, I mean, it was the OEM badge, but it was polished aluminum and it had Focal in black. That's cool. But yeah, that thing came out well and i'll retract my statement about the factory bmw locations right, right. especially in this car <laughs> so yeah i think we're 
at least I'm up to date now. Yeah, I got a I got a couple, but I'll save some for next time because it I feel like it takes us so long to do cars that I'll, I'll keep a couple in the bank for for next time we we go through catch ups of cars. So, do you have any um, topics in mind for this season? Like we did the whole thirty five hundred dollars system um, last season. Yeah, sixty five hundred dollars system season. <laughs> Come on, what are you talking about? Like it's that easy. No, I think. Um, I think from the feedback that I've been hearing and getting that we're, we're touching a lot of those right bases um, to expand on that. I think that the stuff that I kind of feel like we should be diving into is, and I believe we talked about this early on last year was how we as people that design and install systems and how customers that want these systems communicate and get across how detailed of a listener they are what they're listening for and how installers and customers system designers and customers can come up with a way to communicate what level of system they need Um, I talked to a customer yesterday that I'm pretty sure has five times the quality of gear that he needs and when i say that i say it because he's determined on what speakers he's using and where they're going in the car and it's going to get to a point where spending thousands of dollars on an amplifier isn't going to do anything in that situation Right. Mm-hmm. The speaker location is what the holdback is. The speaker is what the holdback is. Of course. If you want yeah. the car to sound better, you, you plugging in an amplifier that costs five times as much isn't adding the sound quality. Right. right, right. The thing that's that's detracting from the system is the speaker. And so I think that we'll probably kind of dive down that route a little more and, and kind of help figure those things out and Again, I really like this being about system design and and Mm -hmm. maximizing people's budgets and making better decisions when it comes to the product and the install and and kind of setting that quality, minimum quality, minimum acceptable quality level Mm -hmm. uh, for the install and the the whole system in general. What about you? I like that. I like that. No, I mean, kind of like more on what you were saying is I like just the idea of cultivating. And again, I hate the term audiophiles cause it's, it's, it's irrelevant. It's, it's, it's a really it's a broad dumb, term. Yeah. It's a really broad term. Like there, there is no such thing as a video file, right? There's really like, and I always go back to this analogy, but like when you and I watch TV on a good TV, it's not like, we would consider ourselves video files because we enjoy a good picture. Like you can see a good picture. I can see a good picture. An old person can see a good picture, right? They can all easily see that something looks more realistic without any kind of background training period. The same goes for listening. Any single person can listen to an audio system and discern if it's realistic or not. Right? right that does not make them an audiophile that doesn't make say that they spend all this money on equipment or whatever it is but they can discern if something inherently sounds real or not 
like if it's a real thing happening in front of them. And the more and more that I do a lot of these cars and, you know, I have people that ha even have stuff at home, like the BMW, right? Um, that gentleman, he had like Focal stuff at home. So he's got really nice stuff at home. But at the same time, what he experienced in his car is like nothing he experienced before. And I know the next time, whether he changes cars or not, he's wondering what the next level is going to be like, right? right? And that's how you get that progression of customer going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Yeah. I feel like a lot of customers, you know, once they take that leap from a average car audio system to something that has good speakers, has DSP, it's installed right, it's tuned right, they cannot go back. Like right, you, right. You would, any other car that they sit in that doesn't have those things, is they're going to start to hear those differences. I think one of the funniest, uh, I'll have to, uh, maybe I'll be light as I say this. I, I had to do a car. I, I got to do a car. I did a car. I don't know how I should phrase that, but I did a car for someone who is a very famous person in the music industry. And when I was approached to do the car, it was by a third party. And the explanation I got was that like this person was never happy with any system they'd ever had in a car before. And they had had lots of systems in the car. And I basically said that, you know, it wasn't that I thought that this musician in particular had a great ear or was an audiophile or was really into the sound. But this person spent a lot of time in very high end recording studios mm -hmm. and was around really good sound. Mm -hmm. And when he hears that, not stuff that is so far off from that mm -hmm. it becomes a problem and that's the, the same scenario you get spoiled you get used to a certain mm -hmm. standard a certain sure. level and that can be uh you know lack of distortion and tonality are probably the two biggest things you know a, a lot of my customers come in and they they aren't expecting some great soundstage but then when they hear it it's eye-opening right mm -hmm. like it is like oh, wow, that's what it's supposed to sound like, and they've never heard it before. And do they want to go back? Nope. Right. Nope. Right, and like I said, that's kind of like what, that's kind of how I look at my job, right? And I think I mentioned this last season, but, you know, my job is to make people prioritize audio in their life, right? Because, again, you know, somebody that collects a watch or collects watches they started somewhere and then they became infatuated with it. And then they start spending all their disposable income on watches. Same thing with clothes, traveling. I mean, you can pick anything in the world. People have something that they spend their disposable income on. And I try and move them in a way that they've never been like emotionally moved by audio. And right. you put them in a car, you, you lay it out there, you tell them what's gonna happen you play a few things that you know that they know and you get a gauge on what they like. And, and, and that's kind of the other thing that I would say to installers is people installing things in cars and doing demos, try and have the most diverse background in all music because you need to know the perfect thing to play that's going to move each client. 
So you need to have all the artists in your head, all the best tracks, all, all of that stuff has to be a Rolodex inside your brain. And that's kind of like what I've been telling, you know, Aaron, as I've been mentoring him at my shop, like when it comes to the demo, like your whole, I mean, the demo is the, the cataclysmic part of the whole install. Well, I think it becomes so important to demonstrate for a customer, mm -hmm. A, what you're capable of doing, B, what, what's possible for them to have, right? Like if they've never heard that in a car, they don't know they want it for one, right? Mm -hmm. And two, like having a reference point that you both listen to and you know whatever car you're demoing they just heard it and they it's at that point it becomes very easy to say oh that had more bass than i needed or i wish it had a little more bass mm -hmm. or uh you know hey i wish it 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 doesn't need to get that loud or hey i wish it got a little louder but just having that reference point with a customer and then getting them to have that experience and know what they're missing out mm -hmm. is uh i think the key yeah and a, and a lot of these jobs you know, a lot of the times I'll pair and sell like really nice reference headphones with the Rastel because I'm like, listen, you already have the Astel for your car, but have the headphones because this is going to give you a true reference. You know, the headphones aren't going to lie. You throw these on in a quiet environment. This is what the music sounds like. And it can even get you more engaged in your car audio system or your home audio system, because this is the reference. Like everything is going to build off of these headphones. And since we've talked, I got the Focal Stella headphones and those things are incredible. You know, it's the highest end uh, closed headphones that they make. And the reason I wanted the clothes is because I travel a lot and I'm never in a quiet room. So right. when I have these on, I want it to be quiet. But like I said, you know, even for me to still continue to listen to newer tracks or whatever, like that's giving me a reference for what to go after and what to get out of systems and make sure that stuff is exposed. Because once you know the music, you know the music and you know, nothing's gonna lie. And for clients to like go this far with the car, you know, some clients spend, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 grand on an audio system. So like adding a set of $3,500 headphones it seems viable on a system like that. Right. And for them to get the validation of what they spent is also, you know, priceless because again, the headphones aren't going to lie. Right. Yeah. I'm actually, that's one thing I'm really surprised about as I talk to other installers is how few of them actually have a reference system. Right. And that doesn't need to be like something insane. Like you can get a good, set of headphones for a couple hundred bucks you can get a pretty darn good set of bookshelves for a few few hundred to fifteen hundred dollars you can get a a nice set of bookshelf speakers like you can get that reference of what it's supposed to sound like outside of the car when you take the effects of the car out of the equation here's what listening to mm-hmm good sound mm -hmm. is and then we put it into a car and we we get those few benefits of you know cabin gain and pressurizing a small environment and right. having more more uh, power than you'd usually have at home but we have all of those reflections and speaker locations to deal with and getting a reference 
so that you know when you get into a car, hey, something's not right. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the key. Or, hey, I'm hearing this. Why am I hearing this? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the the first thing. And um, maybe we should try to help people out with that. I don't know. I feel yeah. I feel, I feel like, like this. I feel like this whole conversation can segue into a whole nother episode because I just want to get off on so many tangents right now (laughs) of just saying like that's the biggest that's one of the biggest problems in our industry is installers they don't have a reference and their reference is the last vehicle that they installed something in right and they they don't know what to listen for and when they do a demo because I've I've seen it happen or when salesmen different salesmen give a demo they just play a song and then they're like, what do you think? <laughs> and you're right. like, what? Like right. you have to get set, set a stage and set an idea of what they're going to hear, where they're going to hear it. You know, just, just all of these different things to validate what it is you just did. And it's just such a problem in our industry. Yeah. Yep. Problem for some problem for a lot of shops education that's the biggest problem in our in our industry is education to the client clients and and it's why we started this whole fucking podcast because clients need to be educated (laughs) yeah yeah i will tell you we we've i think we've both had a a few customers come from that that we know are listeners of the podcast and the the education level that they have is very nice. It's very nice to talk to a customer that already is having a good understanding of it. And, you know, it's hard if you're just some guy that, you know, used to have systems back in the day and you've been out of it for 15 years and you're ready to get back in. You, It's hard. It's hard to like look down and not realize that certain brands are not what they once were and that the, the guy's just trying to sell you whatever he's got, you know, 23 of in stock or whatever it is. Like it's, and it feels like that's 100% of the clientele because, again, people that haven't heard the podcast and they're like geeky people that are like, yeah, I used to do this 20 years ago. I'm like, listen, before we even <laughs> say anything else, we have a podcast <laughs> and this is right up your alley. Yep. But, yeah, I think that's that whole thing is going to be a topic for another day because, yeah. again, I could go on and on about that. Yep. Uh you ready for demo tracks? You were just talking about demo tracks. Sure. You start. I started last oh, time. I got and I'll, I'm going to have to look. I'll, See, I'll look something up. I'm doing this on the fly again. So am I. Um, so what did we do last week? Uh, <laughs> you did not believe me last week. Yeah. When I predicted. Yoshi Horikawa. Horikawa. Yeah, I can never. Bubbles. Yeah. Bubbles was the list. Um was what made the list and then what, I, what's your favorite song of all time oh gosh and hold on the reason i say that is because i just scrolled through and i and scrolled through yours? my favorite song of all time and it's something I, I i i become like ocd when it comes to this song to where anytime that i'm flying and we descend the last like 15 minutes of the descension to landing <laughs> i play the song on repeat really yeah um it's my favorite song of all time. I don't know that I have a favorite song of all time, but I will tell you like what song, like I, I have a song that sticks out as one of my, I, I can't put one song on it, but what's yours? Let's, let's hear what the it, song is. It's Saltons of Swing. Okay. I feel like LL Cool J bad. 
I'm bad. It's like, that's my jam. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is about that song, but like, I can see that. I want to say I heard that first. I was in like sixth grade or something. I Such a Gary answer. Oh. Well, again, that's, that's the, that's the other thing with all of this. And, and when I went to that judges training and listening to music with guys in cars is to like, there is a certain set of tracks that are demo tracks, stuff that's just mm-hmm. recorded super well, stuff that we listen to because it's recorded well and it shows off things that the speaker systems do. I used to have a CD back in the day and my wife hates with a passion one song on that demo CD, so much so that we make a joke of it all of the, like often, often. And that is, I don't even remember who, who it's by because I try to ignore it now, but uh, Grandma's Hands, like it's on like a couple of the early like demo CDs. And like, I like listening to those tracks that highlight things, but I also like listening to real music and in combining those. So that's where last week I, uh, I put a, I think I did everything hits at once by spoon. Like it's a real song. It's, it is recorded. Well, it's not like, you know, it's not off a of Sheffield CD or anything, but Interesting. All right. Do you have your pick or am I supposed to, uh, you start off. Um, and we can't, we can't do anything cliche. So we got to stay away from all the, I would say if it seems cliche, don't say it. Okay. I'm, I'm just, Oh, there I go. As I accidentally hit it to get the um, stuff. I am going to go with another great real song this week. And it is off the Sound City soundtrack, uh, which is a great movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, and the song is called If I Were Me by Dave Grohl. Nice. Yeah. Love Dave Grohl. Yeah. Remember the concert we went to? I do. do. (laughs) Jay from Bombay. Jay from Bombay. How many people listening know Jay from Bombay? Yeah, send us a message if you know Jay from Bombay. Yeah, immediately right now, if you're listening, give us a PM and hit us up if you know. If if you were at the concert from Jay from Bombay. (laughs) That was so good. I'm going to add these because now I have to add them to the playlist. Uh, If you don't know, we add tracks to a playlist on Spotify uh, that is called, I believe it's just the Old Fashioned Podcast Playlist. Uh, There are links on the Facebook and Instagram pages to the playlist on Spotify. If you have Spotify Premium, you'll only see the songs that we put on. Uh, If you don't have the Premium, you get kind of a mishmash of stuff. It's a long season. I'm looking at so many different songs. <laughs> Some trigger me for different instances. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this track, even though I never use it really demoing. But as I go by it, it reminds me of the first time that I I was given a demo, that I was captivated. Okay. And I don't use it probably because I've used it so much in the past that you just kind of filter off a track. But it is the first ever song that was used with autotune. Can you name the track? No clue. It's not T Pain. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, it's Hide and Seek by I'm Again Heap. You've definitely heard the hook of the song because. Who's it by one more time? I- I'm Again Heap. I M O G E N Heap. H E A P. You've, you've heard 
you've heard the hook because Jason Derulo used it in a song. But it's the first song used with autotune. And it's just very, it's just captivated me the first time I heard it. Back in the tweeter days, probably in 2003, 2004. You're getting old. <laughs> I mean, that's like 20 years old. Uh, no, but it's it's a good track. Cool. Well, there we go. I we just I, I I never use it when I demo, but as I go through all this different stuff, it's the first thing that triggered me to be like, oh, I remember that track. Well, I'm adding I'm adding it to the list, and I yeah. will hear it in the next thing that I tune, which I believe is a boat tomorrow. A boat. A boat. I hate boats. I hate boats. I hate installing stereo systems. A bunch boats. of high pass. High pass speakers and boats. Oof. Oof. Make that shit rock. I did come across you want to hear something interesting for a boat. Uh, I had a friend bring me a boat that he bought, used, and had a system in it. And again, I don't do a lot of boats pretty much on purpose because I don't like doing boats. And he's like, hey, yeah, it's got this knob that's the volume control for the towers. And there's four JL cans. Mm-hmm. up across the wakeboard tower and i'm like okay that's interesting where you know they put an lc1 in what did they do for this volume control and i look down and it has a jl 751 full range digital mono block running the tower and i'm like that's either terrible idea or a great idea i'm not quite <laughs> sure which right and the more i thought about it i'm like i don't know why i've never thought of that before again i don't do a lot of boats but you're in a scenario where the right left stereo doesn't matter gives you a nice separated level control for the wakeboard tower that doesn't really need to always be on if you're sitting down uh if nobody's behind the boat and And you can make them fuckers jam yeah and then you have you know a lot of power here's Uh, here's a side question because it made me think of this when you said boat what's the first song that comes to mind if you're going to demo something on a boat, I'm on a boat <laughs> by the lonely <laughs> Island, right? I was going somewhere different, but I love oh, your where answer. were you going? <laughs> <laughs> My first song that I thought about was killing in the name. Oh yeah. Rage against the machine. Yeah. That's definitely on my demo track list. Yeah. It's something you have to ease into. I feel like rage um, is like that album is such a good indicator of how well a system holds its shit together Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. like you you could just go right to it right and again that it's a little harsh in the beginning takes a little bit to get going and then you're like yeah this is this can hold it or it just absolutely buries his vocals and Mm -hmm. just piles on top of itself and sounds like do but yeah i love that track definitely, definitely like that whole album yeah well, this was fun. I love catching yeah. up. Yeah. Well, it's good to catch up. I feel like we should probably call it about there before we yeah. do another uh, Carlson, you know, nine hour episode. Yeah. Cut into three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was good. But yeah. Whoever's listening to this obviously probably made it through the Carlson episode. Or gave up and just hit stop. No. I'm That's rude. <laughs> I'm saying it's long. It's long. It's long, but it's good. It's long. It is good. It is good. It's good to catch up with, with Jeremy. Cool. The leader of our industry. Um, okay. Well, we'll call it. We'll uh, we'll sign out, and then uh, we'll do it again soon. 
Yeah, for sure. Hopefully our schedules coordinate here. Yeah. It's been so tough this summer. Yep. We'll, so uh, much going on. We'll get them on the books and get them. And you're like, summer, done. what summer? It's fucking 72 and sunny every day. It's been hot here. It's been too hot. So I would uh, I would welcome some cool cooler air. I don't want cold air. I just want slightly cooler. You know, we get upset in California when it's not specifically between 68 and 75. Yeah. We, we get our panties in a wad. So as soon as it hits 76, 67, we all get pissy. Yeah. <laughs> and to the people listening, if you live in a city that has a dope bottle of whiskey, just ship it. <laughs> just ship it. What are you oh. doing? Come on. I'm looking at one right here from Waitsburg. I'm I'm assuming that's in Washington, but yeah, the one from Corey. Oh yeah. I'm, assu- I'm assuming Waitsburg's in Washington. I have no clue. But regardless, ship it. <laughs> oh, All right. Matt, Matt with an old-fashioned car audio pod T-shirt where it says "just ship it" on the back. I did make a bar during this amount of time that we haven't talked. I did send you pictures. Remember. I sent you a bar and I said, pick your poison and it showed like all the stuff. Oh in the bar. yeah. 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 What, where yeah. was that? What was that? It's a, a that, bar that a... I made right by my sliding glass door going to my patio. Oh, it's a massive I you, bar. I made. I didn't realize that was yours. I thought you were somewhere or doing something. And no, that's what that picture was. No, that now was with some bar. context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to have a place to store everything. Nice. Yep. Yeah, my uh, my shelf is gonna need some reinforcement, or I'm gonna have to start drinking more. Yeah, I've put some more L, some new L brackets on that thing. Yep. You won't put a back strap on it. Ooh, you're right. I won't. <laughs> that would never fly with my wife. Uh, You'd never have a never have a back strap on that. <laughs> okay, we're just getting silly. Yep. Alrighty. Uh, See you thanks. on the next one. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time. Yep. Yep. Bye.